So we're starting a new series, and um, we're talking about the Force as in Star Wars, and uh, contrasting that with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You would think, is that kind of a strange combination, a strange thing to compare? Not really. We find that most people in our day and age don't know much of the difference. They don't know that the Force, how it's similar, how it is different than the Holy Spirit. Now, I know Star Wars is not everybody's cup of tea. I will try to preach in a way that, in a way that doesn't um, lower your expectations or, or enjoy, your enjoyment of the sermon. Uh, but, you know, I saw Empire Strikes Back eight times in the theater, so I probably have a little bit uh, inclination to preach this sermon from a lot, since I was like 13 years old. Um, so... The problem is we don't much understand about the Spirit and what it does in our church, in our denomination, in our world anymore. And maybe we never really totally will get it. Now, I hope this sermon series has a kind of an element of fun to it, um, but it really is more so that it's critical to the church that we really start to understand what the Holy Spirit is about. Um. I think if we really embraced the Spirit and really understood it, I think our church would change. Our worship would change. Our, our programs would change. Our prayer life would change. And so, But we don't really quite know what to do with the Spirit. Is that something weird? Is that something that other denominations emphasize? And, and is that something that we should emphasize? So let me experience, tell you a little bit about, if you're not a Star Wars fan, Here's the basic explanation of what the force is. It is an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. Right? The heroes in Star Wars seek to become one with the force. They try to bend it towards good or bend it towards bad, depending on the person tapping into the force. And when a person dies, they become one with the Force. Now, while some of that may seem far-fetched, many kind of people see the spiritual world as somewhat similar. We're in a day and age that it's just kind of a universal belief that we can just all tap into something that's kind of out there, that's kind of nebulous, right? And certainly as we read the scriptures about the Holy Spirit, we would often think that we can maybe do things through the Holy Spirit that people can't normally do, just like they do in Star Wars with the Force. So, what can we do, what can't we do if the Holy Spirit is with us? Can we levitate objects? Can we bend people's minds? Can we heal? Well, you know, maybe, I don't know, we're going to deal with some of that. And if you pick and choose your scriptures, you can find strong similarities between the force and the spirit. Here, here's one, especially at the end of this, Ephesians 4, 4 through the 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And that, that strikes of like that force, myst- mystical Eastern religion energy. One God, Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But we need to have a broad understanding of Scripture to make sure we can really say how it is similar, how it is different. So we're going to move our way through the Bible, step by step. We're going to be with the Old Testament today. Let me give you a preview of some of the questions that we should be trying to answer in the weeks ahead. If not answering, at least coming up with some opinions. Number one, what does the Spirit feel like, look like, sound like? Do you know? Can we hope to control the Spirit? Can I mistake the Spirit for something else? Does the Spirit still do miracles today? Does the Spirit set up shop, so to speak, in places or in people? Do I want to be led, filled, baptized, anointed, live in, or walk in the Spirit? There's so many different ways. We're not sure what makes sense. Can I also grieve, resist, blaspheme, or reject the Spirit? In what ways has Star Wars been helpful, and in what ways has it been helpful to our understanding of the Spirit? So the Spirit has been dispatched by God. It's gone down, it's come down to earth, and He's come down to help His beloved creation. And what He gets when He comes, what is He going to do when He when He when He finds God's people in trouble? And the first thing we must understand about the Holy Spirit is it is a being. It is a person. And that makes it, in some ways, drastically different than the force of Star Wars. He is not an electrical power outlet that we plug into to get power. We can't just throw the spirit into hyperdrive and get extra spirit. Because he is a person and a spirit, there's a mystery to the spirit, which is not all a bad thing. But we need to stop seeing the Spirit as a scary member of the Trinity, of the big three, Father, Son, and Spirit. seems like that's the one we're not comfortable with. I guess when a person has the name Holy Ghost, it tends to throw people for a loop. But I don't think we need to be scared or freaked out. Well, I don't see the Spirit as being male or female, I'm going to use the pronoun he, because I'm guessing most of you will be more familiar, more comfortable with that pronoun. So as part of the Trinity, he was not just, he was not creation, he was creator. The force is made up of all living beings, you know. No, no, the spirit was before, the spirit was creator. But it's difficult to understand where one part of the Trinity starts and another or ends and where another one begins. So I'm going to use these uh, words to give, give some separation here. Let's see the God as the one who works for us. The Son is the one who works among us. And the Spirit is the one who works within us. They are different, but yet there is no division. 
The Spirit is a life giver, but he also dwells in us to give us super, supernatural life. So yes, it gets confusing, it gets complicated. So there are both similarities and differences. Let's start with a couple of each of those. Let's start with a couple of differences. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. It's a person. Do you, do you act and live like it's a person? Now, I, I have to admit, I don't address the Holy Spirit much in my life. I, I figure I address God most of the time. I figure that part of the Trinity, they're all getting the word, right? You know, there's not much division there, so... And yet maybe, maybe I need, maybe we need to get a little more comfortable addressing the Spirit. Maybe that would be, it seems to be that there's something there that we could be missing. The Spirit doesn't have a good side or a bad side. The Spirit is always good. The force has a good side, a bad side. The Spirit, Holy Spirit is always good. Now, there are other spirits <laughs> that are bad. But there is one similarity, though this will take some dissecting as we move forward. The Holy Spirit equips his people with supernatural life. Just like in the Force in Star Wars, it enabled people to do things that seemed way beyond imagination. Can we say that about the Holy Spirit? And that's tricky because if I answered it, don't answer it right, I'm going to mislead you one way or the other. But if you make me choose today without an explanation, I'm going to say, yes. The Holy Spirit equips his people with supernatural life. So feel like you're living a supernatural life? Maybe not always. But we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a ways that you maybe there is a supernatural life ahead of you, maybe at least more than you thought there was. So remind yourself of these three things going forward. The Holy Spirit is a being, it's a person. It doesn't have a good side or a bad side, it's always good, but he does equip his people with supernatural power. So, here's one story from the Old Testament. There were once two prophets, Elijah and Elisha. You see, Elijah was the mentor. And Elisha was the mentee. Or, you know, Star Wars fans, Elijah was the master, and Elisha was the Padawan. You know, in Star Wars, he was the one learning from the Jedi Master. And Elijah was about to leave Elisha and go up to heaven in a whirlwind. Talk about miraculous. Talk about supernatural. Elisha wanted to get every ounce of training he could get before that happened. And it says in Second Kings 2.9, And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I can do before, you, before, before I am taken from you. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Seems like a good, honest request, doesn't it? I think Elisha was pure in his motives. And yet faulty in some ways, too. 
We can be easily tempted to think that it was is Elijah's spirit. He said his spirit. Elijah's spirit. Here, can you give me part of your spirit? Holy Spirit is not his spirit. And it's wrong of Elisha to say, can you give it to me? Not only is it not his spirit, you can't give it to me. And so Elisha, Elijah knows this. Basically, he tells Elisha, I can't, it's not in my power to do so. But, I know that if you, I will, you'll know if, if God does it. I'll, I'll tell you what you can you need to know so that you'll know if God grants your prayer request. Don't you get it? Don't you get freaked out? I've always gotten freaked out when I've gotten involved in in uh, groups or or maybe even on the fringe of a church where I felt like they tried to control the Holy Spirit. You know, you get somebody up there and start talking in a manipulative way. We see this on TV evangelists, and I don't. I tell you what, though, before I say this. I have learned that some of those TV evangelists that I want, the ones thought were weird, maybe not as weird as I thought they were. But just with that said, you get some of the people up there and they just they command the Spirit to do things. And they command healing and they command all these things. And I start to think, I got a bad feeling about this. And that's not where I land. I don't believe the Spirit is to be. And I don't think Elijah, the story of Elijah and Elisha says that you can just, just because you want the Spirit to show up and you want a double portion of your Spirit, you just get to decide that. And Elijah doesn't get to decide either. God must decide. But Elisha's request must have been valid since God did grant it. He does give him the sign that he was looking for. But neither Elijah nor Elisha could control the outcome of Elijah's wish. Hmm. You know, another thing that's in Star Wars that is in the Bible is when people have visions. Now, I don't know if we can trust everybody and what their vision is from, is from God or not, but in the Bible, people had visions. In Star Wars, people had visions about the future, about possible futures. This is a popular one from Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2, 28, 29. It says, Afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. And even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The scripture indicates that there will be time when all people will have the spirit poured out on them. Now, I don't interpret this to mean, and I don't think the commentaries interpret this to mean that every single person will have the Spirit. No, what it's saying here is not is that no, pers- no group of people will be excluded from having the Spirit. In other words, you might be a young person and have the Spirit. You could be female and have the Spirit. You don't have to be male and old and have the last name of Skywalker to have the Spirit. Isn't that cool? It doesn't matter. The question remains, are we living in those days now, today, or not? We're going to talk about that. But 
whether that day happened or was going to happen, it's very clear that there will be signs of the Holy Spirit. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, the Scripture says. Okay, i got one more passage for you from the Old Testament. Psalms chapter, uh, chap, Psalms chapter 74, 9 through 11. This is written during a time when God's people were under captivity in Babylonia. So they're being in captive once again. First by Egypt, now by Babylonia. And it says, in 9 through 11, it says, We are given no signs from God, no prophets are left, and none of us know how long this will be. How long will the enemy mock you, God? Will the foe revile your name forever? Why do you hold back your hand, your right hand? Take it from the folds of your garment and destroy them. Think he's angry? The lack of miracles coming from the author is interesting to me. As we think we live, and just think we live in a time where miracles aren't happening, we are shocked when people in the Old Testament are like, they were expecting miracles. He'd been delivered from Egypt. He'd seen all the signs along the way in the wilderness. And that God is not showing up here when they're in captivity again is just distressing to him. Now, I don't always want to associate fully, 100%, the Spirit with miracles. I believe the Spirit is, is not just confined to the, what we would call miraculous. But there's often a connection, for sure. Now, God withdrew his hand from the Scripture. You read this passage, God had withdrawn his hand or his spirit as an act of punishment or judgment for his people's wicked and unfaithful ways. And so it begs you to wonder the question. Is that what's happening now? In our nation? In our city? In our church? Now, I want to be real clear about this. I, I don't believe... Always Old Testament theology and God's way of working with the Old Testament people of Israel is the same as the way he always works with us today. I think there is a clear difference. He had a special covenantal relationship. When they, when they were, did what was right, they were rewarded. When they did what was wrong, they were punished. And it always worked that way, direct correlation. I don't believe it's always that way today. However, I will say this. It makes sense to me the Spirit doesn't usually show up where he is not welcomed and not honored. So let me ask you the question. Is the Spirit welcome here? Was the Spirit honored here? Because the Spirit is a respecter of persons. We tend to think of the Spirit just taking over people. I mean, of course, the Spirit could do that. But the Spirit is a respecter of persons. He rarely chooses to overcome us. God is a respecter of free wills. You know, you notice the difference between a clear definition between what the occult does and what the Spirit does. The occult will tell you there is something already in you. You just need to wake up and see what you already have. The Holy Spirit 
will want to tell you what you don't have, but desperately need that is beyond you. It's a huge difference. And when the Spirit is invited and honored, it comes. And we're going to talk about in what ways it comes, because it comes in multiple different ways. But the number one thing, when a, when a person has the Spirit in them, they are more like Jesus. Let's not get too complicated yet. Let's start with the basics, foundations here. Before we move on and start getting to all some of the things that we would think of as maybe either weird or unique or whatever what the Spirit does, we have to make sure we are grounded in the basics. And if you have the Spirit of God, you are more like Jesus. And if you're all doing all types of wonderful miracles and you're seeing all these healings and you're not more like Jesus, not the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of God. The Spirit has always been. The Spirit is beyond us. It's not just a force we can control. The Spirit is a being. And the Spirit is a helper. And it does come inside of us. You could say in some way or another, the only way we experience God in this life is through the Spirit because the Spirit is the connector there. When you feel this sense of like being part of something in worship bigger than you or you have this moment or where, where you just feel like you're not alone in the room but there's this presence of God or something, that's the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And I know it's God too and I know that but in some way you need, it's the Holy Spirit. This is what we need to remember from these passages from the Old Testament. The Spirit is unique in many ways. And not to pigeonhole the Spirit as being one or the other or this or that. He is both unique in that He can be in us and with God at all times. Okay? So, the Spirit is a multitasker. The Spirit can be beyond us with God. Doing, he can be beyond doing something wonderful in another church right now. He can also be inside you right now. The Holy Spirit's not confined to one or the other. It can be in a place. It can be in a person. Number two, this person, his Spirit is a person, and that way makes him always beyond our control. doesn't mean we can't do things to welcome him, usher him in, or whatever. But this person is a person and is beyond our control. I don't get to tell the Spirit what he or she or whatever it does. Number three, the Spirit is a parent. And sometimes, God, sometimes the Spirit is a parent and sometimes God holds him back for certain reasons. In the, in the passage we read, it had something to do with judgment. I think judgment is also sometimes a test. It is a test sometimes to see if his people will be faithful when the Spirit is not present so much. Sometimes it's to prune a little bit. 
It's easy to worship when the Spirit of God is. And we're called to worship Him at all times. Number four, we should desire to have the Spirit in us. Elisha wanted a double portion. He wanted it so bad. He, he might have mixed up how he said it or the way some of his theology may have not been clear yet as he was in training, but he wanted the Spirit. We want the Spirit in us. Number five, people who have the Spirit are more like Jesus and more likely to witness his power. If you feel like maybe you're not living the Christian life, and I don't want to make anything sound like a miracle cure. We can take a pill and all of a sudden we'll be living like Jesus. The Spirit doesn't work that way either. But there's a supernatural power that comes when you're living in the Spirit. And it's our our responsibility, it's our journey in the next few weeks, journey with me as we try to figure out, what does that mean? What does that mean to be filled with the Spirit or walk in the Spirit? And am I going to become weird or what's going to happen to me if I do? I can tell you this, you will be more like Jesus. You'll be more like Jesus. The force in Star Wars is known by this phrase. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. Christians, we have a number of different sayings we use to bless people and things. One, one of them might be, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make the Lord face to shine upon you and give you peace. But both meant to provide some sense of encouragement, some sense of um, blessing. But I'm going to close each service of this series with a new one. Kind of combines a little bit of both. May the Spirit be with you. May the Spirit be with you. Often what has happened in churches today in our denominations, and we are, our denomination is, is going through a little bit of a metamorphosis. And I'm going to explain this more in coming weeks too. We are learning as a denomination that we've dropped the ball with the Holy Spirit. We thought we, would have, we didn't want to become like those guys down the street, right? We don't want to be like those guys. You know, controlling the Spirit, you know, and asking for a million dollars, and God... God's going to kill me if, you know, if I don't get a million dollars. But instead, what we've done, we didn't want to be like those guys. And you can even say, as I say that in my words to about this, I'm judging some of these people. And, I've sh- and we've shut off the Spirit instead. We've shut off the Spirit. And we dare not go any farther if we don't have the Spirit of God in our midst. 
we dare not run any more programs and we dare not keep doing things. Maybe there is... We watch all these movies about all these heroes and about all these Star Wars things thinking, wow, look at the miraculous. Because there's nothing miraculous in this boring old day-to-day world we live in. Wouldn't it be nice... And while I'm saying we may not get exactly what's in the movies, maybe there is something miraculous that we don't have to go to the movies for. Journey with me as we start to unfold the scriptures and find out what the Spirit does. And whether there's a power that we can't control, but we can welcome and usher in and at least allow the freedom to work when that spirit decides to work. May the spirit be with you, my friend. When we get to the end of this series, I think I'm going to invite those who want to to come forward and to be prayed for for a filling in the spirit. And I realize we have a lot of discussion left to do. What does that mean? And and I will explain all that because there are different things that happen when you become a Christian and then later on and whatever. Um, we also get gifts of the Spirit and all those things we have to resolve. But I'd like you to be thinking and praying about that. What does that mean? And for you to ask God, is that something that uh, I need in my life to be filled with the Spirit? So I ask you to and journey with that with God yourself. Almighty God, we thank you that your Spirit does live inside of us when we are made new in you. We ask that you would help us grow that, but also be aware that you live beyond that and you live beyond in the world doing miraculous things that we want to be part of. In your name we pray, amen.